morning, Northern Hills Church. Hey, it is great to be with you again. My name is Brandon, and I'm our Connections Pastor here at the church, uh, part of the teaching team as well. If I haven't met you, if you're a newcomer, even if you're an old-timer and you've been here for a while, uh, I'd love to have you come introduce yourself to me. And uh, yeah, I'd love to get to know your story, what's brought you here, and all that God's doing in your life. Uh, A couple of months ago, I was set off. What, What sets you off? What is the thing that sets you off that just gets in your kitchen like no other thing? And some of you are looking at the person next to you right now, and I didn't want you to do that. I was actually trying to see the thing that sets you off, not the who that gets in your kitchen and who sets you off. Don't look at the person next to you. But what sets you off? What is this thing that you can't, almost like the, the old Popeye, and some of you remember Popeye, a cartoon back in the day, I can't stands, I can't stands it at all. I can't stands it no more. Again, a couple months ago, um, uh, this is actually, uh, yeah, a couple months ago, I was on my way to the store. Uh, and as I was on my way to the store, there's a four-way stop. And I'm getting ready to make a right-hand turn into oncoming traffic that's heading their way to the store as well. And I'm a good law-abiding citizen. So I stopped, of course, and made sure that I was looking on that oncoming traffic. But what's happening as I get older is that I just don't rate that traffic very well. And the speed of that traffic is maybe the best way to put it. I always underestimate how fast they are going. Sure enough, I make my right-hand turn after my full stop, get into that lane of oncoming traffic, and that guy that was driving his vehicle right behind me creeps up on me tight honks his horn, just lays on the horn, and immediately I just knew, ooh, yeah, I underestimated his speed. So it's on me, right? Again, I came to the four-way, I could have let him pass, and I'm feeling that sort of internal guilt because there's nothing like a horn that makes you feel shame beyond belief. Literally just someone laying on it to just, and it just screams shame, right? So I do the international sign for, I'm sorry, my bad, did not mean to, and it's sort of one of those shameful looks where you just sort of, the steering wheel, and you look to the side, and do one of those things kind of deal, right? Like, it's on me. I'm my bad. My total bad. Well, this gentleman then proceeds to pull in front of me and then break, and I have to stop suddenly, and really cuts me off, all right? Now, now at that point, I was willing to sort of take the blame with everything, even though in my mind, I'm like, you might have been going 60 in a 40, so maybe it's not my total fault here. But then he decides to give me a gesture as well. But it was, wasn't not the, the sort of my bad kind of gesture. It's the gesture that we call in the Freda household, read between the lines gesture, right? I'm an older guy, so we used to call it peel the banana kind of deal as well. And so it's just one of those deals. And I'm, now I'm hot. I am set off. I am ticked. I am in motion. We're like, come on. I was ready to own it. And you're just being a jerk. So I pull up on him. He's trying to pull away. I pull up on him. And that's when I notice the church bumper sticker on his car. Now, I'm not going to tell you what church bumper sticker it was. I'm going to tell you. No, I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) Um, But needless to say, that even just set me off that much more. I'm like, okay. So I pull up to him, and I'm doing one of these jobs as I'm, I'm driving. I pull away from the steering wheel, and I'm like clapping to him just so he can see me, right? Like, real good job. And then I'm doing hand gestures as if to point to his bumper sticker, although he has no clue what I'm pointing to. And it was just this weird moment where I'm like, what are you doing? You really look like an idiot, like clapping just to, I'm just doing one of these jobs, right? What we will do when we're set off or we're a little frustrated or we're angry. And so I go to the store, I'm coming home, and I'm just laughing at myself 
Um, I'm laughing at how we misrepresent as Christians so many scenarios, how road rage is a real thing. All these things are just prevailing in my head. I don't know if you remember the what would Jesus do moniker that was in the early 90s. They made some bracelets. I'm sure they still make bracelets for them. And I'm thinking to myself, what would Jesus do? Well, I sure didn't do it because I just look like an idiot. But I, I laughed to myself because I was wondering, again, because we all get caught up in that moment. How many people had the bracelet on where they were given a read between the lines kind of gesture to somebody, right? You know that that's happened somewhere. And I'm thinking to myself, we get set off so easily. It's either road rage or it's something someone says or someone cutting us off in the line at the grocery store. What, what makes us so angry? What makes us frustrated? What would Jesus do? No, my mind started to keep, continue to trail. What would Jesus undo? What would Jesus undo if he could? What are the very things that, yes, set him off, that made Jesus angry, but that if he could, if he would, in each of our lives, he would remove completely from our lives? See, we've been in a series called Hidden Gems, and this series is in our final week. We've been looking into God's Word, the things that Jesus said in the New Testament, and what we've been looking at are some things that are the hard thing to hear, the controversial thing. We're not just looking at maybe some scriptures a lot of us are familiar with, and even some of the, the love, the grace, the forgiveness that Jesus showed to so many individuals, to what we know he shows to us in our daily lives. We've been looking at some things that are a little bit more controversial, maybe uncomfortable to hear, the hard thing to consider, and that's been where we've landed with some of these hidden gems. I don't understand that. I don't understand what you meant. Why are you doing here? And today's jewel is from the book of Matthew. It's found in chapter 23. And this chapter specifically speaks to seven woes. Seven woes, which is just another way to say that this was Jesus speaking to seven specifics that would set him off, that would completely anger and frustrate Jesus. And so it starts in verse 1 through 4. Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples... The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you. But catch this. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. And Jesus proceeds to talk through seven different woes. We're not going to talk about all seven woes this morning. He's talking about where the Pharisees were showing a good game in each of those practices, character traits, whatever you want to call them. They were showing a good game, but they were living in quite a different space, a different manner. And before digging into every specific woe that Jesus would admonish, he starts with each phrase emphatically with, check this out, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Harsh language. Hypocrisy. Hypocrites. It's just not a fun subject to talk about. It's not a fun subject to lean into. It's the uncomfortable thing. It's the thing that's hard to hear. How many of us would say we know a hypocrite? And stop looking at the person next to you. Again, stop it. How, how many of us would say that? We, we all know of someone that portrays something to the crowd 
but is a far different person in their real life. And when it comes to hypocrisy, let's just be honest with ourselves. We do know a hypocrite because we can easily look in the mirror. But I think that's easier said than done. See, it's easy to see hypocrisy in someone else's life, but it's much harder. It's much more difficult to see it in our own lives. And can I share with you that I think in many ways the church, the the collective church, I would even say pastors in in general, that was a weird way to say pastors, but pastors in general, uh, we've minimized this. We've belittled the subject of hypocrisy in a lot of ways because um, we talk about people that never want to step foot into church, people that would never want to come or, or make an opportunity to really engage with Jesus Christ and everything he's done for them. Why? Because the church is filled with people, and we hear the disclaimer that, yeah, well, the church is full of hypocrites. We hear that being said from time to time, and where we belittle that at times with pastors, maybe with a, a little slight joke or a slight comment that is revolved around, well, you know, come, come to this family, come to our congregation, because we're sort of all hypocrites. You'll be in good company. And that's true. That's probably 100% true. Yes, you'll be in good company. We all fail, and we all fail forward. But the, this idea is that this has really hurt some people and and their walks with God, the behavior and actions of people that would claim to be Christians has destroyed some people's walk with Jesus Christ. And some of you, you know this firsthand. You're sitting here, and that has happened to you. Hypocrisy has been very, very painful for you because of that former pastor or that former youth pastor, that former church that you served in, the, the, the mother and father who were Christians that, that you grew up with, they were one way at church, they were one way in front of the church community, but they were a whole different person behind closed doors. For some of us, hypocrisy has been, well, you claimed this in my life, but you did this in my life, and it devastates you. It's devastated your walk. And so you've walked away from the church. Maybe you've walked away from Jesus Christ. I like how author and theologian Brennan Manning put it. He said this, the greatest, the single greatest cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and then walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. This is what an unbelieving world finds unbelievable. Hypocrisy is a horrible sin, friends. It's sin. And it's a horrible sin that sets Jesus off, that makes Jesus angry, that Jesus can't stands, can't stands, can't stands it. It's something he wants to do, undo in each of our lives. It's something that Jesus strives for so much that we would build a foundation, that we would build bricks towards leaving hypocrisy in our rearview mirror. That's what he wants to do in each of our lives. And so I want to remove any confusion for us this morning. I just want to be able to start with what hypocrisy is not because we can get confused a little bit with hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is not the gap between doing what we wished we would have done and what we did. Hypocrisy is the gap between how we present ourselves and what we do. There are a lot of things that we wish we wouldn't have done, like and clap to and point to the bumper, right? There's a lot of things. Now, now you may think, well, you were a hypocrite there, Brent. No, I wasn't a hypocrite. I was an idiot. 
but I wasn't a hypocrite in that moment. When we do things that we wished we wouldn't have done, that's sin. But the gap between how we present ourselves and what we do, the way we live our lives, this public persona that we'll put on behind our private character that we live, that's hypocrisy. That's what hypocrisy is. And in Matthew chapter 23, we see Jesus railing against that. He uses a word that literally means actor or a stage player. The word that, that means to essentially, it's a word that essentially means to hide behind a mask. And we're familiar with the masks because we've worn them from time to time. We've been the angry hypocrite, right? Some of you are saying this is an improvement over this. I know where you're going with that, but our, whatever. So this is the angry hypocrite. And the angry hypocrite does what? The angry hypocrite points to other people. Oh, you sinner. Or maybe they wouldn't say it in front of them. They're still angry. They'll talk behind your back. That person that's in a life of sin, I can't believe they're doing this. I can't believe they're not following the Lord. I can't believe they're this individual that's not seeking after him. Oh, it makes me so angry that they're not living the life that God has for them. And yet, the angry hypocrite is doing those very things behind closed doors. That's the angry hypocrite. If you thought this mask is creepy, I think this one's even creepier. This is the happy hypocrite. And the happy hypocrite does a lot of the, oh, good morning, brother. Welcome to Northern Hills Church. So glad you're here. Oh, you're asking, oh, yeah, what God's doing in my life. God is doing so much in my life. Can I tell you that I'm just growing in my faith and all the words that he's been giving me through his word that I'm reading on a daily basis and praying to him and talking about? It's so amazing and it's so awesome what God's doing. Praise be the Father. Praise be the Father. You doing good, brother? But the happy hypocrite is going home and his spouse sees nothing of that life. His or her kids are not seeing any of that peace lived. Hypocrisy is the gap between how we present ourselves and what we do. And the Apostle Paul, he has this short little verse in Titus that I think represents hypocrisy so well. He says this in Titus 1.16, They claim to know God, but by their actions they deny him. They claim to know God. They present really, really well, but by their actions, what they do, the way they live, they deny him. And Jesus set him off. He talked directly to it. The Pharisees, the one that he is reprimanding in Matthew 23, they're an example of, of individuals that were doing things to be seen. Let's pray. Let's pray and stand literally on the street corners as we do pray. Oh, dear God, we glorify you. We pray for so-and-so. And all the while, they were putting out this spiritual pride to impress other people. And Jesus called it. He said it's complete hypocrisy. He never, he never spoke more harshly than he spoke to this very thing, people that were putting on a mask. Let's go back to Matthew 23 for a second. And just pick this up in verse 27, chapter 23, verse 27 through 28. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you play actors. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy 
You're full of wickedness. And now watch what Jesus calls them. Verse 33, you snakes, you brood of vipers. And then he asks them, how will you escape being condemned to hell? The hypocrite is one who wants to look good on the outside. And on the inside, they're just dying. There's something that's just decay and death inside of them. They're very, very far from God. They want this illusion of this public virtue. And on the inside, they're full of these private vices, these things, these sins that are carrying them through to to lie to them about who they are in Christ. And here's what's so interesting to me. Jesus doesn't give a woe to those that are using the middle finger as a gesture. He doesn't give a woe to those that are speaking bad language, making themselves look like idiots. He doesn't give the woe to those that are watching bad shows on Netflix. He doesn't say the woe to those that are doing bad things. The woe isn't to those who are imperfect. The woe is to the individual that's imperfect and trying to show something else in their life. The individual that's living differently than the imperfections they have. Do you, ever, do you remember the movie, the Lego movie? It was, again, about eight years ago that the Lego movie came out. And I'm a parent. Many of you parents understand the Lego movie. What was the little, little buzz song to that movie? Everything is awesome. Remember that one? Everything is cool when you're part of the team. I know that song really well, actually. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Elodie and Camden, wherever you are. Everything is awesome. And we do this all the time. We do this on our social media page. We do this on, the, 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 on a Sunday morning. Everything is awesome. Everything God's doing is awesome. And inside, you're just decay because you're depressed, because you're hurting, because you're navigating loss, because you have doubts. You're just hurting and maybe some fears have crept in. Everything is awesome. And Jesus wants to undo that in us. He wants to undo that in our lives. Woe to you. How will you escape being condemned to hell? If you're feeling a bit uncomfortable right now, I'm choosing to trust that you have self-awareness. Because I know there's a lot of people right now that are thinking, oh, I can't wait to send this to someone I know. They're going to need to hear Pastor Brandon's message, and we're going to show them the link, and I'm going to make sure they listen to it five times because this message is exactly for them. They need to see it. They need to hear it. Hypocrisy, it's easy to see in another person, and it is so much more difficult to see in our own lives. And that's just a truth. So if you're an individual that's feeling a bit uncomfortable, it's probably because you're starting to see some inconsistencies of what's out here and really what's going on inside. And that's a good thing because it means you're self-aware. And it's a good thing because it means that you're open to what the Spirit of God wants to show you and what he wants to do in your life about how God's preparing you for something. Because I'm learning that the mask, the mask is an easy thing for me to wear. And I wore it a long time ago when I first started out in ministry, but guess what? That puppy creeps up every now and again. In this now 19, closing in on 20 plus years of full-time ministry, that mask doesn't benefit me, and it doesn't benefit anybody that is in my sphere of influence. It tears people apart. 
And what I want us to see is that there's hope. That there's hope for the mass. There's the hope for us hypocrites in the room. There's hope for all of us. And I'm going to show you the hope because Jesus does what only Jesus can do, that even when the hard word gets said, even when that truth is hard to hear and it's the slam in the face, he's also saying, woe to you teachers, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of greed. They're full of self-indulgence. You're giving us the show, but there's no substance to that show. Blind Pharisees, here it is, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. First clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. First, let the Spirit of God invade your life and when that internal work happens guess what no one else is going to see it and that's okay because when the internal work of god is doing what only god can do through the power of the spirit changing inside of you through the power of god's word that you are spending time in that is transforming you from the inside out then that overflow of what's taking place in your heart and your life and the change that no one gets to see because it's beside uh, it's inside of closed doors it's inside of that dark room it's where places no one else will go but you're doing that business with god that overflow is going to become in the goodness of god to other people, to the beyond, to the things that God wants displayed and the people he wants you to impact in your life. Can I share a story with you? Again, in the early stages, 